Welcome to episode 3 of Disney Minus Reverse Rebirth, where I am dragging Cat through the Kingdom Hearts series. I'm Steven, the pilot on your gummy ship, or on this gummy ship of madness. I'm Cat, and if I never see another Disney villain straddling in midair again, I'll be happy. <laughs> okay, li- uh, listeners, first off, we're going to go ahead and level with you guys. Uh, this is the second time that we're recording this episode, so we're not going to turn the timer on. We're probably going to stop in about the same place unless we just like breeze through it or something. We'll kind of see how that goes. Um, Craig turned out to be a jerk the last time and just quit recording without notifying us like a third of the way in. So Craig was a bitch bot. That. Okay, so fingers crossed. Uh, we're going to go ahead and get into it, though, starting with uh, go ahead, Kat, and tell them what happened last time. Okay, so some weird shit's going down in Wonderland. Well, I mean, it is Wonderland. Well, that's very true. Uh, let's see. The Cheshire Cat is a dick. Yes. The Queen of Hearts is also a dick, but we don't hear that part. And uh, Alice has disappeared, um, <laughs> so we're not sure what happened to her. Uh, oh, and the Doorknob is a dick, too. Yes. Well, to be fair, he's just sleep. Well, I mean, mood. I'm the same <laughs> way, so. Especially when I can't sleep. But yes, we saw in a cutscene that Alice has been captured by the by the bad guys that for some reason I've decided to refer to as the Coalition of Evil. Um, I think, I'm pretty sure I mentioned last time, but if you do the Tarzan world first, that cutscene will have, um, or not Tarzan, if you do Olympus Coliseum first, that cutscene will have Snow White instead of Alice, which is neat. Right. And then, uh, let's see. Uh, of course, we got, to, uh, we got to go to the Tarzan world and saw... Donald and Sora both being bitchy at each other again. Yeah, getting in the uh, only fight they have gotten in in the whole series, so whatever. Right. <laughs> uh, we get to see Sabor, who Steven apparently did not know was a girl. Yeah, I don't know how I never caught that, but whatevs. Uh, well, I mean, to be fair, in the actual movie, too, I don't think... No, they never refer to Sabor as anything other than her name. I don't think they ever refer to her by any kind of pronoun. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I think they only say her name, like, once. Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't remember them ever using her name, but, yeah. Yeah, oh, no, that's right, Kala does use her name at the beginning when he when she says, you know, his parents were killed by Sabor or whatever. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Right, when she's telling Kerchak what happened, like, why she suddenly showed up with a baby. But, anyway, uh, so Sabor, you know, does her little leopardy thing, although, surprisingly, <laughs> she is not the main villain for this world, um, though she does pop up a few times, bless her yes. heart, she tries. Uh, she tries to be bad, but basically Sora kicks her ass repeatedly. Which, I do hope that she's okay. We don't see her again after the Heartless solo, so hopefully she's doing alright. Going off and doing her big kitty thing. Uh, nope, Clayton winds up being the dick again. Uh, including riding a creepy chameleon Heartless-looking thing. And we get to beat the shit out of Clayton. Yes. And in this case, yeah, he... Uh, Definitely goes down a lot more easily than he did in the uh, original movie. Considering how his fate in the original movie was pretty gruesome, I'd say well, he got off pretty light here. <laughs> yeah, considering, uh, what was it? Yeah, um, the big chameleon heartlets, um, Stealth Sneak, just kind of collapses on top of him, and then after it vanishes, he's just <laughs> gone. He goes squish. Clayton just goes squish. <laughs> what happened to him? Don't worry about it. Right, so I just, just, yeah, no, he went squish. That's all that happened. There we go. Um, And then Sora and Donald make up and then immediately pretend like they didn't just totally have a moment. Um, 
We got a new, not a new keyblade. It was just a new keychain, right? Right. Sora still has just the one keyblade, but yeah, he'll and uh, you use keychains to alter the form and right. stat bonuses. Right. Of so, your we ha- so we have a new jungle keychain, which looks pretty cool, and that's what I got. <laughs> yes. Okay, so yeah, so going ahead and hopping right into it, um, we left off, we were going to go ahead into Olympus Coliseum, which is uh, Hercules, obviously, Um, (laughs) that one for this game and most of the games that it appears in, it's going to basically just be our tournament world where you can come and grind by doing different tournaments. Uh, Actually, you know, I say most games, but now that I think of it, it might just be Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2, where it's the tournament world. Because they don't do tournaments anymore in Kingdom Hearts 3. They have a different mechanic for tournaments in Birth by Sleep. And then all of the handheld games, they don't do tournaments. So actually, now I think about it, it might just be 1 and 2. Huh. Huh. Oh, well. Anyway, not the point. <laughs> <laughs> Sidetrack. Yeah. We, we land, and uh, Olympus Coliseum... For Kingdom Hearts 1 is only the stadium. That is all that it is. Um, there, uh, So when we, we go into the vestibule, yeah, the the vestibule, which is just the entryway. I'm just going to say entryway from now on. Uh, into the entryway where there is just a big conspicuous stone slab in one area of the room with a yellow trinity mark, which we can't do anything about yet, so we'll come back to that later on. Um, Phil is off to the side, putting up a sign for the, you guessed it, the tournament that's about to happen. Uh, Sora walks over to ask what's up, and somehow, even though they sound entirely different, Sora, or not Sora, damn it, (laughs) Phil mistakes Sora for Hercules. And tells him to go move that block over there. And the conversation does not continue until you at least go try. Which is kind of hilarious. Because Sora will... Just like with any crates and whatever. If you walk up against it and keep walking. He'll automatically start to push. But this obviously is too heavy. So you, you have to just sit there and make him push. Not doing anything for a couple seconds. And then come back to talk to Phil. Um... <laughs> So, yeah, you go back, talk to Phil again. Sora just says, it's way too heavy. And this is when Phil finally turns around, because he's like, what do you mean too heavy? You are, like, super duper... Hey, wait a minute, you're not Hercules. (laughs) Except... Somehow just now figuring that out. Yeah, except at this point, I don't... If I remember right, I don't think he's saying Hercules' name. Just, oh, you're not the guy I thought you were, or something like that. They, like, weirdly dance around saying Hercules' name for a, a little while, which is weird. Um... But anyway, uh, so that aside, he explains that they're getting ready for the games, which is what he calls the tournament. He always says it like that, too. The games. <laughs> but so, of course, since it's going to be a tournament and there's going to be a lot of fighting and obviously the promise of prizes, Sora is all geared up to join because I mean he's 15 and he has a cool sword. So why not? Right. Uh, Phil says, no, you're not a hero. Or no, what does he say? No, yeah, that's it. Uh, he he says no because you're not a hero, and Sora's like, what do you mean I'm not a hero? I fought a bunch of monsters. And they're like, heh. <laughs> so Phil, Phil finally says, okay, you know what? You can train. 
I'll let you do a couple of practice rounds, and we'll see what you got. And basically, it's just breaking barrels in, like, a time trial setting. Just two different configurations of barrels and two different amounts of time. It's whatever. Um, you finish both of those. He still says no. His, his response in classic Phil fashion is to say two words. You guys ain't heroes. But, um, <laughs> so... Sora, of course, gets mad about the you guys ain't heroes thing and says, hey, nah, and Goofy, to his credit in the background, goes, yeah, that was three words. <laughs> I love Goofy so much. This series just cements him being one of my favorite Disney characters. Um, but yeah, so Phil is still saying, no, I'm the guy in charge, so I say you can't join. But you know what? Go have fun with this. And get, finally gives us the spell Thunder, which, um, if you remember... From what I said for Fire and Blizzard, and of course, since you've been watching the Let's Play, after we talk about it, um, Fire will shoot, like, a single fireball at an enemy. Uh, Blizzard does kind of a shotgun blast of ice. This one right. does thunderbolts in, in, like, an area around where Sora is standing. So we finally have, like, a little bit... Between that and Blizzard, we have our two kind of basic crowd control spells. So, yeah, <laughs> he, he says, I'm not going to let you fight in a tournament against monsters, but I will give you a powerful light, or I will give you lightning magic. Go have fun, small child. And then, of course, because there are no other areas in this, as soon as, in this world, as soon as Sora walks outside the arena, Hades is just standing there and, <laughs> and uh, talks about, you know, oh, it must be so frustrating. I bet you really wanted to enter the games. Well, how about, and he just like poofs a little like entry ticket into his hand. And Sora's like, what's, what's that about? And he's like, eh, don't worry about it. Just go have fun. And like straight up says, as Sora runs off, he's like, I'm rooting for you, little shorty. Like, thanks, I guess. I do like how they got, in, how they got uh, James Woods into Hades. Yeah, like, it's, like, so far seeming to be kind of an even mix on people that they actually did get the voice actors back for and people that they did not. Because I mentioned this in our last recording, but I forgot to so far. Phil is not going to be voiced by um, Danny DeVito. I forgot the guy's name, but you pointed you had pointed out something about him last time, right? Yeah, I did, and I'm actually pulling that back up. I know it's the it's a guy that's apparently usually fills in for Danny DeVito's voice if they don't have him. Ha, fills in. Um, right, but I mean, they pick him. They, Pick this dude though because he does sound a lot like Danny DeVito. Uh, Robert yeah. Costanzo, that's that's his name. Okay. Yeah, but if, that's right. Cause that's I found him on Wikipedia where yeah, it's like basically if they need a voice sub for Danny DeVito, they go for that guy. Okay, so yeah, there we go. Uh, so anyway, Sora like goes up to Phil and is like, "Hey, I got a ticket to join the games. Can I be in the games now?" And he's like, "Where the hell did you get this?" And Sora's like, "Don't worry about it. Let me fight." And he's like, "Well, you got a ticket, so I guess I gotta." <laughs> You're, you're really sticking to your guns there, huh, Phil? <laughs> <laughs> so the games is, I mean, it's not much. It's like a few rounds of just fighting different teams of Heartless. This is where we get a new kind of Heartless, which is the Blue Rhapsody. Um, it is basically just an ice version of the, what was it, Red Nocturne? Yes. I the, think uh, so. Yeah. They all have music-themed names. Uh, but yeah, this one is... The ice and the ice version of it. Uh, we fight a couple rounds of Heartless. Cloud shows up and decides he's gonna be like be all edgy. 
he has a little bit more of a personality in Kingdom Hearts 2, but in, in number one, he's just here to, like, be kind of broody and cool. Um, Sora, like, tries to wish him luck. He just walks right on past and does not say anything. Um, we get a scene of him talking to Hades after a couple more fights where, um, basically, uh, all, so far, for some reason, it seems like all Cloud cares about is the fact that Hercules isn't here yet, which is part of the reason he ignores Sora, because Sora's not Hercules, so he doesn't care, I guess, whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we, we get the, the reveal on why that is, uh, after, like, one or two more fights, um. Basically, Hades has gotten him on a contract of some kind where he has agreed to take part in the games so that he can kill Hercules and make it look like, oh, it was just part of the fight. I guess I accidentally just went too far. Aw, oh, darn. <laughs> and her uh, Hades basically tells him, okay, I'm going to need you to kill that small child also. And which, to Cloud's credit, he's like, wait, what? No, the only person I was hired to kill was Hercules. And he's like, yeah, dude, okay, I know. I know the only person that I specifically said to kill is Hercules, but before you get to Hercules, you're going to have to fight this kid too. So come on, just work with me here. And Cloud is basically... <laughs> Cloud, where I gave him credit a minute ago, I have to take it away because he doesn't fight it anymore. He's just like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> like, he doesn't... If I remember right from the cutscene, I don't think he directly says, okay, I'll murder this small child, but he also doesn't say that he won't. So, but it doesn't matter because you're the main character, so of course you win the fight. Uh, the The fight itself is kind of neat. Um, Cloud is one of the, one of your tougher opponents at one at this stage of the game, and since he'll be in later tournaments later on, even in, in those, he's still, he's one of the tougher opponents. He and Leon are always more or less on par in terms of how, how hard they are to fight, which is kind of funny. But um, kind of his his main thing that he'll do since they gave him that one like bat wing is he'll start to like hover a little bit off the ground and do a bunch of like flying dash attacks where he'll fly or fly over to you, pause and slash, and then like keep doing that. Um, so you just got to try to dodge. Um, he's got a few others, obviously, but that's kind of like, yeah. that for Kingdom Hearts at least becomes kind of his main attack. Uh, anyway, after you, after you beat Cloud and officially knock him out of the tournament, meaning that he's failed, uh, Hades, <laughs> Hades decides fuck it and literally has Cerberus just pounce into the stadium because I guess he's got nothing else to lose at this point. <laughs> Because he's a good boy. Well, also that. Look at him. Look at him, angry faces. But um, but yeah, so he sends Cerberus in. This is when Hercules finally shows up. Uh, About time. To, yeah, right. Because the... the it, I don't think it was stated explicitly, but the promise of this tournament is supposed to be whoever wins like gets to fight Herc. So it's like, you should probably have been here earlier. But whatever. <laughs> but... um. But yeah, so he's holding off Cerberus, tells Sora to get Cloud out of there and to let him deal with Cerberus. Um, Sora, like, as soon as they get Cloud outside, Sora immediately says, okay, so I know I know what he said, but also, fuck that, I'm gonna go fight the giant dog. <laughs> Which feels like, wait, no, hate, but is like a foot and a half tall, so what's he gonna do? <laughs> so Sora runs back into the arena where Hercules is 
Like, the, the cutscene is framed, so he's supposed to be on the ropes, but really you just kind of see him, like, jump back as if he's dodging an attack, because it's not like they can really show us too much, I guess. Right. Um, basically, basically tells Hercules, you know, you go take care of Cloud and see to everything outside. We'll take care of Cerberus. <laughs> um, this was a boss fight that I absolutely hated as a kid. Uh Partly because because what you gotta do if you attack anything like other than his heads, Cerberus won't take any damage. So like they've basically the game has basically designated those as like the parts you have to actually hit. So that gives you two options. You can try to run around behind Cerberus, climb up his legs, run across his back, and start hitting him on the er, in the face, which will no. work for a little bit. But he moves around so much, you're probably gonna fall off. Or you can try to get on the ground right up in front of him, jump up, and start trying to hit him and keep repeating that. But he moves around so much, and he's so big that all of his all of his stomps basically just send out little shock waves. So if you're close enough to his feet, you're going to get hurt there, so you got to keep moving. Um, when he's at a distance, he will uh, shoot these big fireballs out at you that you have to try to either dodge or deflect back at him. And of course... All of his heads can bite because, well, why, why wouldn't they? My least favorite, and I, I guess probably his most powerful attack, is all three heads will start like breathing. Looks like they're just belching darkness into the ground. I'm not really sure. <laughs> but um, basically, what that'll do is it'll cause like a bunch of these like little darkness explosions to start chasing after Sora. So you gotta try to run and duck. Basically, they're such that if you if you get hit by one, it'll stagger you long enough that you're probably going to get hit by a couple more. So it's like real. You got to really make sure that you're able to dodge all of them. And at this stage in the game, he's a strong enough opponent that back in the day, I could never beat him without getting uh, without going back over to the Tarzan world first for one the the stat boost that you get for from Jungle King and just the extra leveling up from fighting the Heartless there. And two, the fact that you get Cure off of that <laughs> so that I'd be able to heal myself in the middle of the fight. But yeah, so you finally you finally beat him. Um, <laughs> we have a scene afterward where Phil is officially giving them the title of Junior Heroes <laughs> because they they're still not they're still not good enough to be official heroes yet. Um Sora's basically like hey, no, no, they what? just freaking beat Cloud plus Cerberus and saved everyone else's asses. I know, right? Um Sora basically is like, Well, what do you what do you mean junior heroes? He's like, You still don't have what it takes to be real heroes and Goofy's like <laughs> Goofy, they have they. I don't know if it's just the angle or if they actually have him doing this, but they have him animated like when a dog gets sad, how they'll, they'll hang their head down and kind of look up. <laughs> He's like, so what does it take to make the sad dog face? And Her uh, Hercules, who's been basically just standing next to Phil, uh, but saying at this point, saying that's just something you'll have to figure out yourselves, just the way that I did, and it's like. This is where I don't really get what he means because, like, basically that line implies that, like, the events of the movie have already happened. But one, right. Hades was, like, thrown into the into sticks and basically swamp eaten by a bunch of dead souls. So 
weird that he's still around. But two, like some of the events of Kingdom Hearts 2 will sort of imply that he hasn't had that character growth yet. And the the plot for the Hercules world in Kingdom Hearts 3 is they're finally doing the movie. So, huh. I don't know. I don't know. It's whatever, I guess. <laughs> but um, I feel like it would also make more sense if Meg was here, but she doesn't show up until Kingdom Hearts 2 because they were razor thin on the amount of characters that they could put in this game, I guess. But um, but yeah, so he he tells them, you know, or basically, yeah, he leaves them with that. You'll have to just figure out what being a true hero means to you uh, as you go about it. They... They kind of accept that for now. Sora asks about the games, and uh, Phil says, after the fight with Cerberus, the whole place is too trash, and so it's going to be a while. And no, I'm sorry, I forgot to write it down, so I did not mention it the first time. What he says is, everybody's pooped. <laughs> so Everybody poops? What? Oh, every everybody's pooped. Oh, okay. Yeah, like everyone's too tired from what happened. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, the only other fighters are heartless. What do you mean they're too tired? That's all they do. Right. But yeah, so he says there won't be any tournaments for a while. And Sora's like, all right, fine. We'll be back later when there is one. So they leave. And again, because there are only two places you can be in this game. Uh, Cloud is outside moping on the steps. Um, so Sora, Sora walks up and basically asks him, you know, why did you decide to work with Hades? And this is where, like, if you, if you know about, if you know about Cloud from the game, what he says here I, it makes sense, because I'm pretty sure he's supposed to be talking about Aerith here. Right, that's what or I least, thought. Or at least based on what I know of Kingdom Hearts 7, I think that's what it is. Uh, listeners, if we're wrong, I don't know, tell, yeah, me the dis- tell us in the Discord or something. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, uh, Cloud's response is, he says, I'm, er, I'm looking for someone. Hades promised to help. I tried to exploit the power of darkness, but it backfired. I fell into darkness, and I couldn't find the light. <laughs> to which Sora, the sweet little boy that he is, just goes, You'll find it. I'm searching, too. <laughs> He's, Cloud says, For your light, don't stop searching for it. And so they, you know, they kind of end things there. Sora asks him, you know, how about a rematch sometime? No power of darkness or anything else. <laughs> they have him do the cool guy hair flip. And he goes, I think I'll pass. <laughs> but as he leaves, he does get... This is this is the thing that... They don't do this anymore, so it really only bugs me here. Or at least I don't remember this ever happening again. He hands Sora something... And basically, basically says, like, make good use of it. But what he gives him is an ability that you can turn on or off. The ability is called Sonic Blade, and I actually really like it. Because basically, since Sora can't fly, it's kind of his closest equivalent to what they made Cloud's signature attack, how he would, like, fly around and slash. So it'll basically be like Sonic, or Sora will, like, thrust forward and kind of, like, dash a few times with the with the Keyblade. Mm-hmm. If you're fighting... If you're fighting bigger bad guys, it's like it's a really good attack to use against them because it if you if you can time it right, it can get like a pretty good amount of damage done in a really short amount of time. But it's only good for like a single opponent, so you don't really do too well with it in groups. But whatever. <laughs> so I don't understand though how he was physically handing it to Sora, which and again 
they don't do the they decide I guess to drop that as a thing from now on because that never happens again. I just it's very strange. <laughs> yeah. Um but and again because there is nowhere else for this to happen, the camera just kind of pans over and on like the other side of the front yard, Hades is pouting and being basically just being Hades when he's mad and Male- Maleficent shows up they don't even have, like, much of a conversation. Basically, she offers to help, which I guess would just sort of mean, like, supplying more Heartless or something. I don't really know. But, right. <laughs> but Hades just straight up tells her, this is my story, or something like that. <laughs> and he's like, no, leave me alone. I don't want your help. And she's like, all right, fine, bye. The- which I think, yeah, which I think is also part of the reason there's not much in the way of storyline in this world. Because Hades basically said, no, it's just going to be tournaments. I'm going to find a way. Or I'm just going to throw enough enemies at Hercules until he dies. I mean, that works too. Yeah. It's worth a shot, I guess. I don't know. And this was where we decided, since I'm just telling you the Keyblades as we do the world, instead of when they would pop up in the actual progression, uh, this is where we touched on the Keyblade for this world called Olympia. Because this That's is... That's the cloudy-looking one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this one, like the one from Wonderland, is one that you don't get until a lot later in the game, which is dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because, like, while it gives... It, this one does give a better stat boost than the one from um, Wonderland. It gives uh, plus 9 to strength, which for some reason they increased to plus 10 for final mix. And then plus zero to magic. So if you're going on like a pure strength build, this one is probably one that you'll get a decent amount of use out of. Because okay. I, I don't quite remember how that makes it stack up to other keyblades you get around that that point in the game. But plus ten to anything is always pretty decent, of course. Um, but yeah, so the description for Olympia is a powerful weapon that is difficult to deflect, capable of inflicting mighty critical blows. Which, like, the the um, the sat or whatever for, like, landing critical hits is never something that's displayed. And gameplay-wise, I've never been able to tell the difference between a regular hit and a critical hit. So that, that has never really meant much of anything to me. Just that this Keyblade, I guess, is a little bit better at critical hits than other Keyblades. So, oh, okay. Yeah, so yay for it, I guess. <laughs> but as world keyblades go, I do sort of dig this one. Um, of the shit, what is it like four or five Hercules world keyblades over the course of this series? This one's probably my favorite, just because it is a little bit simpler and a little more straightforward. We'll see the others as we get there, obviously. But yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah. So that is that takes care of the storyline for Olympus Coliseum for now. Uh, like, we, like I said, we will be back and the Keyblade for it. So from here, since there's nowhere else that we can go in our little ring of space, and since we got those two weird gummy pieces that nobody knows what they are, uh, it's back over to Traverse Town to see if Leon and his group know anything. And um, so at this point, we can do the um, we can do the Red Trinities, which I should have checked since yesterday. If they, if which one it's actually called, I want to say it's called Trinity Bash. 
since the little cutscene for it is just sort of going to be like all running face first into whatever it is that's marked with the Red Trinity. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so we can do Red Trinities now. Um, as we go through the world trying to find Leon and the others, uh, we get two new Heartless so far, the Yellow Opera and Green Requiem, which were uh, basically the Thunder and Cure versions of the little floaty element dudes, respectively. Um, there is, there's an alleyway off, because if you remember, um, Traverse Town is set up in districts, so the main area is yeah. District 1, then you've got Districts 2 and 3. Um, sort of coming off of District 2, there's a little alleyway area. In in that alleyway is a set of bars that we can now break down to go through a... Literally, this area is just called the Secret Waterway. <laughs> Which, like to be... Like a sewer? Or... Kind of? Like, what it is, is that little alley behind this... Or off to the side of District 2 has, like, kind of what looks like it would just be, I guess, sort of like an aesthetic, decorative little stream or whatever going through it, and it just flows into here. So... Gotcha. Eh, not quite sewer, because obviously it's not like... I don't know people, so it's obviously not like there's any sewage happening. But, eh. but yeah. Um, <laughs> but, so, I don't have any... This was the one I didn't have any pictures for yet, because there will be, like, actual cutscenes happening in here later on, so I'll get pictures for it once that happens. Uh, for now, Leon and Aerith are just hanging out here, and it's so funny, because they did not get... <laughs> They didn't give Aerith any kind of idol animation, so she is just standing there as Leon is, I guess, supposed to be, like, practicing, because basically they just have him swinging his gun, like, swinging his gun blade over and over. That's what they gave him for an idol animation. <laughs> but, um, but at this point, they ask, you know, the two of them, hey, do you guys know what's up with these two gummy pieces that we found? They said they don't, but Sid should. Uh, they also tell, uh, Sora and the group about the keyholes since we've found two of them so far. Uh, right. Basically, basically from what they explain is the keyhole of a world leads to the heart of that world, which is why the heartless are always after it because heartless are drawn to hearts in general. And you know, if you're on if you're on a world, what's the biggest heart going to be? <laughs> it's going to be the uh, the heart of that world. So. Basically, whenever Heartless find the heart of a world and devour it, that's what causes a world to fall to darkness. So, if you remember when Destiny Islands fell, it was because the Heartless showed up and got to the keyhole, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> so, that, so, basically, that's why they tell Sora that it's important that he keeps traveling with the keyblade so that he can lock those. Because if you lock the keyhole of a world... That's like heartless will still be there because there are still there are still people and still darkness in their hearts. So you're never going to mm -hmm. get rid of the heartless 100. percent But it does make it so that they can't get to the world's heart. So the world itself is safe. So okay, yeah. So that's that's the basic mission is find keyholes as you travel because if not, well, they put these after every boss fight anyway. So it's it's just something to do. Because <laughs> why not? Yeah. Um, Leon gives, uh, Sora a, a shiny, which, because we, yeah, we never, we never get to see this thing on screen, so they didn't actually put, make any kind of, like, model for it, he just hands Sora a thing and it flashes, you obtained Earth Shine, but yeah, he hands Sora, like, a little gem or whatever named Earth Shine, 
and says that he doesn't really know what else to do with it, but hey, maybe it'll bring Sora good luck or something. So for now, nothing else to do with that, but he does tell us, they did tell us go see Sid, so it's back over to the first district. Uh, this is when we start fighting the uh, the air soldiers that I put a picture of, which I, I do sort of dig these dudes. I like their design. Little aviator helmet and the and the goggles. That's just cute to me. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, but so and obviously the soldiers that we can fight. These are the 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 air version of them. Yeah. Um. They they can be kind of annoying depending on where you're fighting them because they're really good at what they'll do is sort of hang back and maintain their distance for a minute and then do like a dive bomb type of attack where they'll swoop in and either punch or kick and then fly back out for a little, or for a second to sort of regroup. So like, depending on what, if you're fighting in more of an open area, then I mean, you can just dodge their hip, run around and, and fight them. But depending on where you are, it's like, if you're anywhere that has ledges, these guys will hang out just off of the ledge. So there are por- portions of the game where fighting these guys is real dang annoying because it'll cause you to fall off of wherever you are. But if you're just in like an open area, then they're ah. Uh, so we we finally go find Sid. He <laughs> he tries to scold Sora and the gang for not knowing anything about gummy blocks, but it's like Sora's 15, uh, fourteen and doing all of this for the first time. <laughs> Cut the kid a little slack. <laughs> exactly. But basically, and in fairness to him, we we find out, like, basically his thing is that he's, like, a gummy block technician or whatever. So it's basically, like, the car guy getting mad that other people don't know about cars. But, uh, but he says, uh, they hand him the two, like, that they've found, and he says, oh, okay, well, I'll go put these on, or I'll go install this in your ship, uh, and if you don't mind running an errand for me. Uh, basically, he was about to... Uh, take a book over to Merlin that Merlin had asked him asked him to fix up because I guess when Merlin found it it was busted <laughs> which I mean yeah fair um so basically he said take this over to Merlin and I'll put the gummy I'll go ahead and install that new gummy on your ship and then tell you about it later on um obviously you agree because fucking what else is gonna happen uh, this conversation though is... Not really cut short, because it's not like they had anything else left to talk about, but as the conversation is ending, uh, we hear a bell start ringing off in the distance somewhere, and <laughs> they fucking have the whole screen to shake, as if, like, this one bell is, I guess, just shaking everything in Traverse Town. And, um, but yeah, so Sid, like, basically says, oh, hey, that's weird, the bell above the gizmo shop must be ringing. You know, they say something is supposed to happen when it rings three times. Yeah, an angel gets his wings. Ha! <laughs> but yeah, it is... Everyone knows that. But yeah, it is sort of dumb. He doesn't tell Sora what. Just something mysterious is supposed to happen. So, you know, if you want to, you can go check that out too, I guess. It's whatever. No skin off my back. <laughs> no skin so, off my nose. Whatever. No skin off of places that I have skin. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Um, so you go see Merlin take him the book. Merlin just in his well actually no. So, um since this leads to a whole thing, first I'll talk about um oh shit, I forgot her name for a second. Fairy Godmother. <laughs> um 
you gave a fairy godmother uh, Earth sign, and this is where she explain. This is where summoning comes into the game. She explains um, when some worlds fall to darkness, if a person there is particularly strong-willed, instead of fading away like everybody else, their heart will be crystallized to basically just as a way for them to like, I guess, sort of stay safe until they can find somewhere that they can not die. I guess I don't know. Um, who knows yeah but basically so she tells Sora like if you believe in them the strength of your heart will let them temporarily regain their form um so like I said that's how summoning comes in uh she is able to turn Earthshine into the summon for Simba who is again or I said it before but I never really did much with the summoning in Kingdom Hearts 1 I did a little bit more with it in Kingdom Hearts 2 and 3 but um Basically, in Kingdom Hearts 1, whenever you summon somebody, uh, they will have, like, a little MP gauge that, like, one will just decrease over time anyway, but two will decrease as they use attacks or as they get hit. So, basically, that's just how long they're here. Um, for Simba, basically what he does, since, obviously, he's a lion, um, he has, like, a roar, shockwave attack, but otherwise is mostly, like, lunging at Heartless and biting slash clawing at them. Um, I feel like there was something else I was going to say, but I don't remember. So anyway, um, back over to Merlin. Uh, this is where Sora gives him back the book, and he says, Oh, hey, this little thing. You know, it's weird. This isn't even my book. It just appeared in my bag one day, and it's like, <laughs> Sure it did, dude. Whatever. I Seems 100... Legit. Do what? Seems legit. I know, right? I 100% believe that instead he just had it and forgot about it, and then one day was like, oh, what's this thing? Why, it's in such bad condition. It's It can't possibly be because they don't take care of things. No, it must be because it's old and mysterious. He said, can you fix it for me? <laughs> but um, basically he says there are still pages missing, and so this is going to become a thing that we start finding throughout the game, is items labeled torn pages. Uh, every time we do, we'll be able to come back over to the book and it will let us do a little bit more of the story for it. So he basically just says, I'm going to set it over there. You come check out the book anytime you feel like. It's whatever. <laughs> um, so obviously, uh, Bond of Games, the guy who does the Let's Play that I'm following, uh, basically said he's not going to do, beyond the initial cutscene, he's not going to do anything in this world until he has, has found all the torn pages so that he can do it all at once. Um, but this is how we get Winnie the Pooh into it. <laughs> and um, so the the cover I posted in the chat, and if you want to go ahead and tell the listeners about your ad, your addition to it. I drew a kitty face on it because it needed <laughs> something on it. <laughs> she did, because the, the cover of the book is completely blank, so she drew a kitty face, which... I improved it. <laughs> yeah, you did, which I am still going to use as the cover art for this episode, I think, because that's just funny. Yes. <laughs> but, um... Because it's awesome, that's why. Also that, also this. But yeah, so we go into the book and find out, oh, this book slash world is called The Hundred Acre Woods. Anyone who knows anything about Disney can tell you what that is now. Um, <laughs> so this will be how Winnie the Pooh is incorporated into the series. It's always going to be interacting with the Hundred Acre Woods uh, book. 
in one way or another. Uh, which, as a kid, I never really liked because there aren't any enemies. It's just coming in here to do mini games and hang out with Pooh's friends. But I mean, it's a little breather world. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah, like. Now that I'm older, I like it, because, like you said, it's a little bit of a breather world. Hanging out with Pooh and his friends is just chill. There aren't any stakes to it like there are throughout the whole rest of the game. You can come back and do these. Not that I came back and did them a bunch, because there is still not much to it. But you can come back and just chill out, do these mini games as many times as you want, whenever you like, and just have yourself a good little time. I mean, so, I look at it as it's kind of like, do you remember Pokemon Stadium for the N64? Vaguely. Uh, that was back when Blockbuster was still around, so we never yeah. actually owned it, but we would we rented Pokemon Stadium a few times. Yeah, I owned Pokemon Stadium. I think uh, my dad still has his old N64, but that's basically what it was. Is, you know, you had the arena, you know, where you actually fought, but then it had like a little mini game side where you could just, you know, you oh, could crap, race right. with... Remember, you could, like, race Rattatas, or you had, it was, like, a sushi-eating game with Lickitung, and it was just, like, little fun games you could play when you got bored with, you know, beating the crap out of other people. The only two that I remember are the sushi one with Lickitung yeah. and, like, the Magikarp jump. I, oh, I do remember. Now that you mentioned I do remember that one. I remembered racing the Rattatas and then the sushi game. The sushi game fair. was my favorite. It, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Wait, oh, but that's man, basically that what the weird. Hundred Acre Woods one kind of reminds me of. It's basically like that. It's just a little, uh, you know, as your, you know, probably if you were playing this as a kid, like you said, it would be like, oh, this is boring. Why am I here? But then as an adult, it's like, okay, fine. You know, finally something, you know, everything isn't trying to kill me. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And because it's so much more chill, um, your attack command, which normally either says attack or strike, I'm pretty sure it says att attack, changes to say hit. <laughs> Which is just kind of funny to me, because there's nothing here for you to fight. You're not getting in, into any fights, but if you want to go over and smack that log, then, I mean, I guess go for it. <laughs> but anyway, it's not all fun in minigames. Um, there, um, there is also sadness, as we find out. No. Yes. We, we walk up, and uh, Winnie the Pooh... Pooh, comma, Winnie the is <laughs> sitting on a log, just muttering to himself, just going, think, 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 think. And so when Sora walks up to, to be like, yo, hey, little dude, what's up? Because finally somebody smaller than him that he can actually refer to as little guy. Right. <laughs> I mean, to be uh, fair, though, it's even if a stuffed animal was like 10 feet tall, you would still refer to it as little guy. I you're feel not like. wrong. But Pooh says that he, he's trying to think of a way... Okay, hang on. I, I wrote the quote down. He says, I was thinking of a way to say goodbye to Pooh. And sort of, having never met this dude before, is like, well, who's Pooh? And he's like, oh, I'm Pooh. And he's like, well, what do you mean you're trying to say goodbye to Pooh? And this is where we find out that not only is the, pa the book missing pages, all of Pooh's friends are gone because of it. Everyone that he knows from the hundred, hundred from the hundred acre woods has vanished, and he is convinced that he'll disappear any day now. And so he's trying to figure out how to say goodbye to himself. I'm gonna be okay. Oh, <laughs> I know. Like, why? Why do you gotta do this to the guy? So, why, why you gotta hit us in the feels like that, man? I know. 
So basically, Sora tells him, don't worry, I'm sure your friends are out there somewhere. Uh, you just sit tight and hang out, and you know what? I'll be your friend, and I'm not going to go anywhere, except that he immediately leaves, so it's whatever, I guess. <laughs> but, but yeah, so they both agree they're going to be friends, and that his friends will show up eventually, and everything is going to be okay. So, yeah, uh, so that's what's going on in Winnie the Pooh. Um, we will, like I said, we'll come back to it later on in the game once um, once we've gotten all of the lost pages, or the torn pages, rather. That way we can just do the whole thing all at once. Uh, so for now, uh, since we've taken care of that, it was time to go talk to Sid. Uh, Sid had told us to meet him in his house in the 3rd District, so it's back off to the 3rd District. Uh, we get in a fight with some Heartless, and Riku shows up. Um, I keep wanting to say he shows up during the fight and helps out, but no, that have, that's a different thing later on. He shows up after the fight, and he has got... Ah, what happened? Aw, Casey. I know. <laughs> okay, sorry. Okay. <laughs> official, official friend of the show, Casey. Um... Posted into the Anthem Report channel where I post all of these pictures uh, that she hopes everything is good to, uh, this time around. Because, like I said before, Craig dipped on us, like, right about here last time. So yeah, It didn't crossed. tell us, by the way, so we didn't even realize till we were, like, done recording at <sighs> almost, like, 11 o'clock last night. I know. I hate it. Hmm. Anyway. <laughs> um. But, yeah, so Riku shows up. He has got <laughs> this edgy-ass batwing sword with an eyeball in it called Soul Eater. I want it as a keychain. <laughs> Fair. I tried to find it on Amazon last night, and I couldn't find it, and it makes me upset. Oh, Which I'm actually surprised about. I swear I thought I had seen keychains of it, but... I huh. found, like, a bunch of necklace sets where they have, like, all the different keyblades, like, as a necklaces, but it's like, That's, I don't want a okay. necklace. That's like, I don't want a necklace, and I don't need 12 of them. I just want that little thing as a keychain. Okay, that's probably what I was thinking of then. That's probably why I thought I had seen keychains of it. Might have been. I didn't. It didn't look like any of the uh, necklace collections had that one though. Lame. I know. <laughs> I think it's only ones that Sora carries, probably. possibly. But I'm gonna find that keychain. <laughs> I believe I want in the, you. I want it. But um, but yeah. So listeners, if anybody knows a non-spoilery way to get cat. A, a little um, soul eater keychain or something, you know, send that her way. <laughs> he would be my best friend forever and ever. See, there you go. Uh, but yeah, so Sora, you know, is of course all excited. He's finally found one of his friends. Neither of them knows where Kyrie is. Uh, just like Sora, Riku says that he's been searching. Uh, <laughs> Goofy mentions that, hey, Riku, guess what? Sora's the Keyblade Master. And Sora's like, yeah, I am. Be, as if that should mean anything to Riku at this point, but yeah, Riku's like, "Cool story, bro." Yeah, <laughs> but so um, so you remember back in the first episode uh, when Leon tried to like take the Keyblade away from Sora, right? Wait, what? Oh, you remember what happened back in uh, the first episode when Leon tried to take the Keyblade from Sora, right? Yeah, yeah, it, it keeps going back to Sora, right? Yeah, yeah. If any, if anyone other than Sora takes it, it'll poof back over to his hands. Well, 
Go ahead and just put an asterisk by that rule, because once Goofy says, hey, BT Dubs, Sora's the Keyblade Master, the camera pans over to show Riku just holding the Keyblade, and he goes, oh, so this is a Keyblade. And Sora's like, hey, what? And instead of it poofing out of Riku's hands, he just kind of tosses it back over to him, which, Riku, you're 15, so I'm going to say maybe you don't know any better. Don't throw swords around. I mean, unless you're trying to form a basis of government. Well, you mean it. <laughs> and you're a watery heart. <laughs> it took a minute, didn't it? <sighs> Listen, you. <laughs> okay. To be okay. fair, that only came, that mostly came to mind because I did laundry earlier, and one of the shirts that I folded is my Monty Python shirt that says I'm not dead yet on the front. Oh, okay, there you go. <laughs> but, yeah, so, um, for some reason, Riku can hold the keyblade, which is weird. Uh, don't worry about it. Riku's gotta be special. Yeah. But yeah, um, Sora basically says, hey, Riku, you should come with us and we can keep looking for Kyrie together. And I still don't have an explanation for why this would be, but Donald says no. Why you gotta be a dick, Donald? Like, like he doesn't, he doesn't give a reason. He just says no. And Sora's like, well, why not? And he says, because I said so. The only thing I can think is whenever we see inside the cockpit of the gummy ship, it does only ever have three seats. So maybe he's saying that because Riku would have nowhere to sit. But I really don't know. It just seems weird for him to say no. But yeah, whatever, I guess. It gives them an excuse to look away from Riku because when they turn back, he's gone. So, okay, I guess that's happening. <laughs> But um, this, since we are, so now that we're out of that cutscene, since we have Thunder, this is where uh, you can use it to zap a very big exposed wire that's just sitting out. Somebody's probably fixed that at some point. Um, it does not do anything that we're able to see. For some reason, as a kid, I thought it was what turned the lights on on the little fountain behind us that has a picture of Lady and the Tramp. But that's not true. It the lights are already on for that. So, but, okay. but yeah, so I do, or now that I'm older and have actually like checked, I do know what it does. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, for now, we go back and meet Sid in his house. Um, basically he, you know, says, Hey, I got the, that, uh, that navigation gummy installed in your ship. So you should be able to see some new places now. And I even threw in a warp gummy, uh, for, for the heck of it. And, Sid, you are my favorite person right now because I told you, uh, I think last time, how I am not a fan of the gummy ship sections in the first game, right? Yeah. Uh, you still you still have to do them for worlds that you're going to the first time, but with the warp gummy, anytime you're going back to a world that you've already been to, you can just select warp and it'll skip all of that and just teleport you there. So, thank you very much, Sid. Yes, I will accept this gift that you have given us. Thank you. Uh, but aside from that, though, they uh, basically, hanging out in Sid's house is also Leon, Yuffie, and Aerith. All of them are hanging out together right now, because fuck else are they going to do, I guess. Uh, but this is where um, one of them, I think Sid, mentions that uh, they have heard rumors that Maleficent might be in town, and they need to... So th uh, this I actually kind of like is uh, Sid, during this conversation, refers to uh, Maleficent as that evil fairy, which is like the only time I can think of that anyone explicitly calls her a fairy that I can remember. Like one, just in this game in general, but I don't remember. 
remember anyone calling her a fairy in Sleeping Beauty either. It's been a while since I watched the movie, so I'll have to go back and check. Uh, but yeah, in Sleeping Beauty, I don't know that they ever did. Right? Like the the Malef- the more modern the 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 modern Maleficent movie. I think they do. Ex- I think they do explicitly call her a fairy or something like that. But that's because it's focusing on. On her perspective right i'm no i'm yeah sure. i think you're right i think in the original animated movie i don't think they ever referred to her as a fairy so yeah <laughs> so i like that because the few other times that they do refer to her as anything uh i think she gets called a witch a few times throughout yeah. the series which she's evil and using magic so dang, basically but yeah this is the only time i can think of where anyone actually calls her a fairy which is kind of neat but <laughs> but that aside um they do explain, this is where we get, um, not the full details, obviously, but this is where we get basically the backstory for uh, Leon's whole group is they are, we don't get the, the name of the world yet, but they're all from a different world where all of them, I don't know if they necessarily, well, I guess they must have known each other to some extent because they mentioned that they all escaped with Sid. So it seems like since he knows about gummy ships and stuff now, that's probably just what he used to do back in the day and got everybody out or got these three out at least. Um, basically the world that they were living in about nine years ago, um, Maleficent showed up with a swarm of heartless and I think they say conquered. Uh, hang on one sec. I'm pretty sure I wrote it down. Okay. No, yeah. They just say she took over their, their world with a swarm of heartless about nine years ago. Uh, they mentioned again that uh, their world used to be ruled by a guy named Ansem who had been researching the heartless and uh, that his he had been re- he wrote down everything that he knew about them in a report that, as far as they know, is mostly scattered. Although Maleficent probably has most of it. Uh, they had mentioned I don't know if you remember from the, our first episode, but they had mentioned the or Ansem's reports once already. But so this is basically just kind of reminding the player, hey, you're going to start finding these things soon. <laughs> but yeah, so so yeah, kind of setting that up as far as. Their, as far as their backstory, which will come up again later on in the game, so I like them at least establishing it here. Um, we don't really get the rest of the conversation because instead it pans outside to where Maleficent and Riku are just standing like two feet away from the window of this little house that they're all in. <laughs> and just watching, just watching Sora and the others. And uh, this is where Maleficent tells Riku that Sora has gotten new friends and that he's completely replaced Riku and doesn't even care about finding Kairi anymore. Uh, We don't get Riku's response to this because this is just where the cutscene ends. So, hey, Maleficent, maybe don't. But, uh, but yeah, so it comes back out of that. um, Mentions again, you know, the navigation of the warp gummies. Um, Yuffie brings up, Again, some or they say something should happen when the bell or when you ring the bell three times. So like, I wonder what this game wants us to do next. <laughs> um, but yeah, so surprise, surprise, we go to the gizmo shop that they mentioned, which I hate that they call it a shop because this is not set up like a place where you would buy shit. It's just they have a lot of weird clockwork mechanisms and shit just built into the walls of this building. But you can't like actually Whatever. buy anything. No, like, there's nobody here selling anything. You would think with them calling it the Gizmo Shop, this would be where you, like, buy items or something. But Huey, Dewey, and Louie have got their own store set up for that. So I hate that they call it a shop. I don't know why I'm hung up on this. But, yeah. 
But um, this is where um, using thunder on that wire, though, matters. Because when you're in the gizmo shop, like, not exactly walls, because they don't go all the way up to the ceiling. So basically, I guess, shelves so like or whatever. Partitions, is, maybe? Eh, basically, I guess, what they're supposed to be. Um, the, there are three buttons, like, up on top of those that you have to hit, and so using, or using thunder on that wire, like, restores power to this building, so, like, the lights are on, all the machinery is, like, moving, and these plat- or there are some platforms that will now raise up so that you can jump up there. Also, obviously, you find some Heartless, because fucking of course you do. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, you know, fight, you fight through the Heartless, go to- go through the other door in the in the back uh, to climb up to the top. Um, you have to activate a Red Trinity to <laughs> to knock over the wall that's in front of the bell <laughs> so that you can ring it. And basically what it does, uh, I could not find a good picture uh, for this, but the basically the best one that I did find, uh, I posted into our Ansem Reports channel, um... Down on the ground in the second district, because the Gizmo shop is in second district, uh, there is basically like a little pond type of thing set up with like a mural on the back wall of it. Mm -hmm. Each time you ring the bell, that mural will rotate to show a different picture. If you ring it three times, it reveals the keyhole for Traverse Town. So cool that we know we know now what ringing it three times does. Let's go see all that keyhole. Uh, this is where we get a boss fight against uh, guard armor again. If you remember from the first time we were in Traverse Town. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> instead, though, uh, after we hit it like a few times, it acts like the fight's over, but then turns out, oh, nope, that was just a fake out. The whole thing like flips over, its torso flips upside down, the, uh, the arms rotate themselves down to become feet the feet rotate themselves up to become hands that are basically just like little pincher claws <laughs> i love uh, I, I don't know it's just very silly to me because like yeah the hands they are the new hands for it they're just little like crab claws uh, <laughs> the head stays where it was so there's that at least uh but this is where it now becomes called Opposite armor. I always want to call this reverse armor for some reason, but no, it's called opposite armor. How imaginative. Eh, you know. Um, no, do you re- oh, crap, do you remember the joke we made last time? Remember what? The joke we made for it last time. Uh... I'm looking through the pictures trying to jog my memory. <laughs> <laughs> you, you joked, you know, just spell armor backwards. Oh, oh, right, uh, uh, hang on. Romra. That was it, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Uh, I had already decided before the episode was over that that was probably what I'm going to use for the name of this episode because it was just funny. Uh, but yeah, so we, we, jo- <laughs> we joked that we are now going to refer to Opposite Armor as Romra. Romra. <laughs> and I said this was Romra Rising. or Romra. Be- I think I said Romra Begins, but I like the sound of Romra Rising better. Romra Rising sounds like a really bad, like, 80s B, like, monster God, flick. you're right, it does. It sounds like one of, like, those monster flicks, like, from the 80s. Right? Oh, my God. So, <laughs> Sora fights a big rubber suit that has a guy in it. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> that sounds like something else entirely. Well, you know, stop that. (laughs) 
See, I was going more like the Power Rangers route, because those are all just big foam rubber suits. I mean, You're over here being dirty. Well, yeah. Have you met me? Yes, unfortunately. (laughs) Hey! Ha! (laughs) Took you a second. Shut up. (laughs) But, so yeah. Anyway, um, this boss fight, I mean, still go. It's basically just guard armor's, like, a stronger big brother, because the boss fight is still pretty similar, like, it's able to scatter all of its pieces so that you have to fight them separately. Uh, it's Basically, it's just more aggressive, and the pieces will act a little bit differently, so now it's like hands stomping around and the feet coming over to crab claw at you. I can't, I just, I can't get over that. Mm-hmm. Uh, after, after this fight, you get a spell that I ignored, pretty much ignored when I was a kid because it doesn't, it's not an outright attack spell. But uh, the most recent time that I played through it, I actually ended up really liking this one. Uh, this is where you get the spell called Arrow, and that's A-E-R-O, not like not like a bow and arrow. Uh, basically, this is a wind-based spell that will, um, in Kingdom Hearts 1, when you use it, will cause like a little ball of air to start rotating around Sora to act as... Or to one, act as a shield, to A, just increase your defense in general, and just straight up block some smaller attacks. But what's also cool is if you have it activated and you get right up on someone, it'll just constantly do a small amount of damage because, like, as the wind is rotating, it's basically like it's hitting them, which is kind of neat. Again, you can't, you can't really use that on, like, smaller Heartless just because the small ones move around too much, but it's gotcha. it's a good way to get a little a little bit of extra damage against bosses. Um, but yeah, so we seal the keyhole, so Traverse Town is officially safe. Uh, we get a I hate I hate the way that this this was labeled. Basically, this is going to be a half of another navigational gummy. So it's labeled Navi hyphen G piece. What? So just I don't know. It's like Navi G, which is just awkward to say, but. Yeah, so we get a Navig piece. If you go back and ask Sid about it, uh, basically he'll say this is part of a pair, so there's nothing you can do with it yet. We'll have to look for the other piece to it some like somewhere else later on. Okay. Did you hear something? Huh? I'm going to probably cut this out, but did you hear something? Uh, there's a train in the background on my side. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> I'm near, I'm, my apartment's near train tracks. Okay. Oh, geez. And I've got my slide. I've got my sliding glass door open right now, so that's why it's a little louder than usual. Okay. It was like uh, that was what I thought it was, but I was like, just out of nowhere, I heard a sound, <laughs> and I was like, sitting here meerkatting for a second, just going, huh? huh? <laughs> anyway, back on track. Yes. Ha. Track like a train. Anyway. God damn it, Steven. Jeez. Anyway, okay, so uh, we leave Traverse Town because now there are more places we can go. Uh, the map hasn't expanded for us to see them yet, but basically, um, if you scroll back up and look at the the picture I posted of like this section of space, um, we have like these two little wormholes that have popped up now. So if you go go back and fly into one of those, it'll take you into like. You know, basically a space highway, now I think of it. Mm. Or a space tunnel, I guess. Like a wormhole? Anyway, th- that's... Do what? Like a wormhole? Shut up. <laughs> yeah, the wormhole's like a wormhole. <laughs> smart ass. Oh my god. Do what? Nothing. No, that no, that's not me being a smart ass. That was me derping out and you 
clarifying, honestly. Um, but, but yeah, so that's, that's how you get to, because it's this section of like four worlds on a small ring and then, hang on, I'm trying to, I'm trying to count it all up. Hang on. Five worlds on the next ring. So yeah, it's two rings with like two little weird bands connecting each or connecting them to each other. Um, before that though, <laughs> there's a tournament <laughs> available at Olympus Coliseum that quick. Um, so the tournaments, the like regular tournaments, because this one doesn't have anything story related to it. I'm kind of just going to breeze over. Uh, this one is 10 rounds. There's nothing new introduced in, in, in the tournaments. Uh, again, unless it's like a story related one, like the first one, how that was the first time we saw, uh, the blue Rhapsodies. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it's 10 rounds. Um, each, each round is a team of like different configurations of Heartless. Um, what is sort of neat that you can do for the tournaments, and if I remember right, I think Kingdom Hearts 2 does the same thing, but, um, you go through it once, just regular Sora, Donald, and Goofy all together, uh, then if you, once you beat it, that will unlock a solo mode where you go back through the tournament with only Sora, once you beat that, it will unlock a time trial mode where it will obviously give you a set amount of time to beat the tournament within, if you fail, you have to start over. Um, Lame. Eh. I'm, yeah, I'm not as big a fan of the time trial modes just because, like, I always end up getting either sidetracked or having enemies, like, stay just far enough away from me that it eats up a lot of time getting to them. But, um, but each, you can come back and do each of the three versions of each tournament as many times as you want. So later in the game, the tournaments do become a pretty decent way of grinding. So you don't have to run all over a world looking for Heartless. You can just, hit play or hit start on a tournament and right. just do that for a while. Um, especially because there aren't really any stakes to it. If you, if you lose like out, out in the worlds, if you die, it'll set you back at like your last checkpoint, which is usually whenever you enter the area that you're in and all progress will be lost. Any items that you found, any experience that you gained, all of that resets to whatever it was when you first entered that area for tournaments, you keep it. So if you if you got to where like you needed one or two more heartless uh, beaten to level up, and then died and had to start the t- that tournament over, you're still just one or two heartless away from leveling up. So even if you come into a tournament and you're not strong enough to beat it yet, hey, guess what? Keep losing and you'll get strong enough. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the the three uh, prizes that you can get. For this tournament, uh, the team prize is you find you get the spell Gravity, which was another one that I ignored uh, when I was a kid, but used a little bit more often uh, coming back to it now that I'm, or the last time that I played through. Basically what Gravity will do is it creates like a field of effect, uh, basically like it'll, <laughs> it'll have like a blackish purplish ball of energy, uh, just sort of like, swell out and appear, like, centered on whatever Heartless you're locked on to, or if you're not locked on, then just sort of generally in front of you. Okay. Um, yeah, anything that's caught up in it, obviously, since it's gravity, the effect that it, or the visual effect that it gives is it will flatten everything, which can be useful in slowing people down, or especially, especially on the large bodies, because if you remember those, you can only do damage to from behind. So it makes it a lot easier to get behind them once they're flat, because you can just step over. 
Um, in terms of damage, this is why I stopped, or I eventually stopped using gravity uh, on my most recent playthrough, because it doesn't... It deals damage a little bit awkwardly. Instead of it just being, like, does this much damage, like fire and everything else does, gravity bases it on a percentage. Mm -hmm. So it'll do, like... 30% of whatever health they have left is now gone. So it can be useful against, or as like your initial attack because it'll eat, eat away a big chunk of their health and then you can keep going. But like it's never going to be your your finishing blow on anybody because it does as a percentage instead of just a straight up amount of damage. But, you know, just depending on how you strategize your fights, it can be, it can be uh, neat to do. Uh, so that is kind of the main prize for the first tournament, which is called the Phil Cup. Um, the solo prize is you get a skill called Combo Combo Plus. Um, basically what that will do is your, your basic ground attack combo is you'll do like two hits and then a stronger hit for, for your third one since that's the combo finisher. This adds one to your combo, uh, which is good because... Your combo finishers do more damage the more hits are in that combo. Mm -hmm. So, you know, lengthen your combos. One, deal a little bit more damage to Heartless because now there's an extra hit. And it'll make your finisher a little bit stronger. Uh, for uh, your prize on the time trial is um, a skill called Tech Boost. Which, I think I explained tech points in uh, one of the other two episodes. But basically, if... This is a thing I don't remember really seeing outside of Kingdom Hearts 1, so they might have dropped it after the first game. Uh, but basically what it does is if you time an attack right and like block and use your attack to block an enemy's attack, or if enemies that are element-based, if you attack them with the element that they're weak against, it'll give you tech points, which are basically just extra experience for like doing good. <laughs> Nice. Basically, yeah. And so tech boost will increase the amount that you get for that. So, again, if you're strategizing well, it's a way to milk a little bit of extra experience out of different Heartless. So, that's always useful, I guess. Um, I was always more just straight up, like, <laughs> my, my fighting style on these is always just run in and just hit people until they're gone. So... I never really did a whole lot in the way of getting, like, tech points out of Heartless, but... If you're not me, <laughs> then these can be pretty useful. Um, but yeah. But so yeah, so that's all you get from this tournament. Uh, now we can head over to Agrabah to start, which I hope you like Agrabah because holy shit, are we going to keep seeing this world? Even the little logo thing looks like it's infested with mushrooms. There's <laughs> Oh yeah, I forgot you said that. Yeah, It does. Um, oh my goodness. Um, Got little warty mushrooms. <laughs> No, uh, what it was is, or what it is, is how I told you, uh, you know, after this game, we never see Tarzan come back into any of the other Kingdom Hearts games. Right. So, so many of them come back to Aladdin. Like, Kingdom Hearts 1, Chain of Memories, because Chain of Memories redoes, like, all of the same worlds from Kingdom Hearts 1. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 2 has Agrabah, uh, 358 over two days. Uh, does Agrabah coded hits Agrabah again? Uh, Birth by Sleep does not. That's the only one I think that doesn't. Except 
Kingdom Hearts 3, aside from Hercules, is entirely New Worlds. So, yeah. But, uh, so yeah, Kingdom Hearts 3 and um, Birth by Sleep, I think, are the only two games in this fucking series that don't go to Agrabah. So, yeah, buckle up. I hope you like it, because we're going to be here a lot. Um, but, so yeah, so we land there. Um, <laughs> the world logo mushrooms. does fucking look like it's got mushrooms. Oh my god. Don't I don't know me. why I never noticed that myself. Um, but yeah, so we open the world with a uh, cutscene where um, Maleficent and Jafar are basically just strolling through the streets of Agrabah having a conversation. Um, Maleficent asks if he's found the keyhole. He says not yet, but he's got Heartless out looking for it. Iago flies up and says he hasn't been able to find Jasmine anywhere. She must have hidden herself too good or whatever. Um, Maleficent says that sucks because we need the princesses of heart. Uh, she doesn't directly say that Jasmine is one, but the way that the way that it's it's phrased, you can pretty much assume that means that that's why they're looking for Jasmine. Uh, so Jafar sends another like group of Heartless out to go find Jasmine, uh, to which Maleficent warns him, "Do not steep yourself in darkness too long. The Heartless consume the careless." And he's like, "Shut up! I'll be fine." <laughs> Spoiler alert: He won't. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so that takes care, or that's, like, sort of our intro into the world. We don't even, like, get Sora or anything with Sora in the opening cutscene for it, because immediately after that conversation, we're just fighting already. Um, there, the picture of it is already in the chat, of course, but the first new Heartless that we get for this world is called a Bandit, which, who did, what did you say these guys look like again? You had pointed out that they're like something. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hang on. Let me, uh, I know I said they look like something. I can't remember it now. Dang. Uh, if you remember, we'll come back to it, I guess. I'll probably think of it. Although, actually, now that I look at it right now, going back and looking at it, it looks like the, oh, who was the kid from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? Vi- Violet, the one that got turned into a blueberry. Huh. That's kind of what it looks like. Oh, uh, no, now I remember the dude from Spyro. Oh, that was it. Okay. That was stealing the eggs. That nanana guy. Yeah, that little dude. That's what he reminded me of. Oh my goodness. Okay. Um. So, but yeah. So we get. (laughs) Huh. I'm picturing them with a cape now. Right. You know, it's good to me. I like to think about it. Um, (laughs) Um. But so. Um. Yeah, we fight. We fight a group of heartless, including um, our first instance of the bandits. Um, <laughs> conveniently, from behind like a couple of jars, Jasmine pops up and is like, "Oh wow, you you were able to beat those creatures!" And they're like, "Heck yeah, we were." <laughs> uh, in this conversation, it is revealed that um, Jafar has already overthrown the Sultan, so we don't know what happened to him. Presumably, I guess imprisoned. We don't see him in the first game. Um, he's already deposed the throne, or the sultan. Um, she doesn't say Aladdin's name, but she says he saved her and got her out of the castle. So, again, if you know the movie, you you know that that means she's talking about Aladdin. Right. Um, which, this one, like, feels like it has the events of the movie sort of mixed up, because it seems like he's already met Jasmine, and I guess befriended her somewhat, and... It hasn't even gotten the lamp yet, so... Who knows? I don't know. Anyway, um, 
Jafar shows up to be threatening and to kidnap Jasmine um, <laughs> because he has magic in his own right. <laughs> he vanishes in like a puff of smoke with her, which is kind of neat. Um, but yeah, so um, the guys decide, okay, well, shit, we got to find Jasmine now. Uh, Jafar six a new kind of heartless on us called the Pot Spider. This one you did not approve of, if I remember. No, <laughs> I it's still basically don't of it. right. Um, I'll have the picture in the Twitter thread, of course, but uh, listeners. It is basically, like, a big red pot, but then, like, four spider legs just broke out of it. With frickin' daddy long legs popping out of it. Yeah, like, damn. Uh, these ones can be kind of annoying to fight, because basically what they'll do is they'll jump around a little bit, just because moving for them, I guess, is... I know, right? (laughs) One, because how do you make a spider horrifying? You make it jump. Right. Um... But two, moving around for them is probably, like, kind of awkward or something. But So what they'll do is um, they they can rotate the um, the jar at, to, like, hit you at the top of it, basically like a headbutt. Or their main thing is they'll jump back a couple feet and then, like, rush at you to slam into you. So, so luckily, they're not using these spider legs to attack with just to move around. So at least we've got that going for us, I guess. Mm. (laughs) Um, But so we make our way to Aladdin's house. Um, Somehow, see, and again, this is where like the events of the movie are getting really mixed up because somehow Carpet is already here, like with a box having fallen on top of him or whatever. Um, But so we get the box up from carpet and it flies off. Uh, Goofy, I think it is, points out that it looked like he was flying out toward the desert. So we go go after him to be like, well, hey, maybe he knows where this Aladdin guy is. Um, which turns out, yes, yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> the, the carpet, like, I guess through gestures and body language, makes them understand that Aladdin is in trouble and it needs to take them out to where Aladdin is. And we don't see enough of the area yet, but when we come back to it later, like, they are right outside the Cave of Wonders, trapped in a sinkhole, it looks like. <laughs> um, but, so, obviously, you know, fight some more Heartless, uh, get them out of the sinkhole. Um, <laughs> it's just, I don't know, it just, it just really gets me that, like, we come to the scene, and it looks like Aladdin and Abu are, like, passed out, like, literally just sinking into a pit of sand as, like, Heartless just dance around them or whatever. Right. Um, but so Aladdin goes ahead and uses his first wish. Frankly, uh, in my mind, he's wasting it because after the fight, a few more Heartless show up, so he, like, his, he uses his first wish to make Genie get rid of the Heartless. But that doesn't take all of the Heartless out of the world. It just gets rid of, like, the five that were around them. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't know. I feel like, you know, Sora and Donald and Goofy, the guys who ran up and took care of that first set of Heartless, could take care of them. But what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> um, but so they fly back into, or they fly back to Agrabah. Uh, this is where Genie, you know, explains the whole thing about how he's tied to the lamp he 
only ever gets to see the sunlight, I think he says, like, every couple centuries or so. <laughs> Which really makes me wonder, how old is Genie supposed to be? Has he been around for, like, thousands of years before the culture that invented his kind? I don't know. Tobino, Jesus? <laughs> Ooh. Listeners, tell us what or tell us your thoughts. Did Jeannie know did did Jeannie know Jesus? There we go. I was able to say it. There we go. <laughs> um, but this is also where uh, Aladdin promises. You know, I'll go ahead and I'll use my third wish to set you free. Um, I think it, this is where I mentioned last time. He is not voiced by Robin Williams. He is instead voiced by the guy who voices Homer Simpson. Yeah, and, uh, Dan Castanet. Castaneda. That's it. <laughs> um, and oh boy, can you tell at some points in his performance that he voices Homer's in. Oh yeah. And then, isn't this about where we left off last night? No. No? We were a little bit past this. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, we get back into town. This is where we have uh, the first appearance of a Heartless called the Fat Bandit, which... Uh, just like the large bodies, you can't attack from the front because it won't do any damage. Uh, you have to get them from behind, so fighting them is pretty similar. Except that these guys are also able to breathe fire sometimes, which kind of sucks. Because of course they can. Yeah. Also, what I hate, large bodies never seem to do this, but fat bandits will sometimes show up two or three at a time. Which... On their own, they're not that tough because you can just maneuver around them and you're fine. But they start to clog up the screen and just get to a point where, like, you're just bumping into them and can get a, they can be annoying to fight. There's I forget which I forget which one, but one of the tournaments, one of the rounds is literally like two large bodies and three fat bandits, and I hate that fight so much. Because, like I said, they'll all be trying to, like, charge at you and stuff. And they're all so big that they just clog up the little area that you've got to fight them in. I hate it. Uh, but anyway, we confront Jafar. Um, Genie, or not Genie, shit. Aladdin uses his second wish to tell Genie to rescue Jasmine. Because uh, what it is, is Jafar is standing up on, like... Not exactly the side of a building, but basically just on top of a low wall from them. So Genie like flies up, grabs Jasmine, and is gonna bring him bring her back down. <laughs> but like right at that fucking moment, um, Iago swoops in and steals the lamp from Aladdin and takes it over to Jafar. And this is where it comes into play. Oh crap! Sorry, I've got to obey whoever has the lamp. <laughs> and do what? I said fucking bird. Right. Um, basically, uh, Genie, and because I guess this is sort of just what... This, the way it, it's framed, it looks like this might just be automatic, is whenever someone new gets the lamp, he probably just vanishes from wherever he is, if he is out, just back inside the lamp. What that means, though, is that he just drops Jasmine, and she ends up landing in one of those pots that... Uh, Becomes part of a an enemy that Jafar summons called the Pot Centipede, which is basically this weird, like, centipede head and butt that will then gather a bunch of pot spiders between them to form a long centipede body. Trying very hard not to make a human centipede joke right now. Okay, I got through it. Kat, have you seen that? 
Have I seen what? Human centipede. Yes, I saw the creepy ass centipede. No, 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 no. Human centipede. Oh, Have you seen human oh. Centipede? I haven't seen it, but I know about it. Okay, I've seen the first two. Apparently, it's a trilogy. Have not seen the third one yet. Uh, listeners, um... I have heard that it was a trilogy, but I refuse to ever watch any of them. Yeah, don't. Listeners at home, don't. Um, I mean, unless you're like me and you're just drawn to that specific type of bad movie. Uh, slight aside, since we're going a little bit quicker than we did before. Um, the Human Centipede movies, um, sprouting off from the- in the first one, it's a crazy German scientist- captures three people and decides, you know what? He's going to turn them into surgically turn them into a centipede by attaching them with by the attaching all of them ass to mouth. <laughs> we'll just say what? he uh, we'll just say that he uh creates one long digestive tract. Yeah, uh surgically. Yeah. Um the second movie, the premise of it is some dude watched the first movie and decided, well shit, I can do that and captures I think like 10 people. I think so. Something like that. The third movie is, again, some, like, prison warden sees the first movie, or I think sees the first two movies and decides, well, shit, I can do that. I can beat that. And I think, yeah, and I think, like, uses a bunch of his prisoners or something like that. I think he tries I haven't seen to do, that one yet. Again, again, I've only read about them. I haven't seen them, but I think he wants to do, yeah. like, a hundred person centipede or something like that. Something like that. So, anyway, that's what this is, but with Heartless. Um... <laughs> <laughs> they got just dry heaved a little bit <laughs> yeah sorry um but yeah uh one thing i forgot to note last time that i just remembered is throughout this entire boss fight we can hear jasmine's muffled voice shouting help from inside whichever jar she landed in uh so basically what we got to do is we chase the the pot centipede around through the streets of agrabah trying to beat it up. Um, basically what it'll do is, after you fight it some, just like the guard armor does, how it'll fall apart uh, sometimes and you can just start beating on it until it pulls itself back together, this will do the same thing, is it'll, like, the head will sort of spin off and get go into daze and you can just start breaking the pots. Uh, that will, uh, since the head is gone, now just become pot spiders and will fight you on their own. So, Basically, you just have to keep whittling it down until you take out all the pots and then obviously beat the head. Uh, and somehow, even though Jasmine 100% was inside one of these pots, she is gone again. Um, this is this is pretty much where we left off because they basically figure, well, clearly she must not be in town anymore. They must have taken her out to the desert. And so that is where um, we can pick up next time is they go out to the desert and uh, end up having to do a boss fight against um, against the Cave of Wonders itself. <laughs> uh, basically what it is, you know how the Cave of Wonders is like the big sand lion head thing? It's a tiger head, I think. Damn it, you're right. It's a tiger head. I don't know why I said lion head. It's a big tiger head made out of sand. Um, it's not even like they make it evil. What it the way this fight works is there is like darkness in its eyes, basically just kind of causing it to thrash around and every now and then it'll like spit out a few heartless that you also have to fight. So what you have to do is crawl up on or run up onto its back around the front side of its head and 
just like fight the or beat up like the weird little like flames or swirls or whatever of darkness that are in front of each of its eyes and then once you do that it will go back to just being like its normal cave entrance self um which since since the cave of wonders is also kind of a character i wish that they had had it like say anything in this cutscene, like thanking sora or not even necessarily thanking sora but just something to acknowledge the fact that it's alive and they just did this to it but right who am i <laughs> uh, so yeah so we will go ahead and leave off there. Uh, we'll pick up next time actually going into the Cave of Wonders to confront Jafar and try to rescue Jasmine and all of that jazz. Okay, yeah, for a second I thought maybe it was missing something, but now that's it for now. Yep. So we, uh, we'll go ahead and touch on, or go ahead and do questions again. All Let right. me, there we go. There it were. Uh, ba, ba, ba. Yeah, no, it was Flutter Darkness first, that's right. Okay, so um, this one we will probably need to remember for next time, but I'll go ahead and read off the question. Um, Flutterdark's first question. Uh, so if you were in, in Aladdin's shoes with the lamp and you only have two wishes uh, to preserve how this ends, since he you know, used the first wish as soon as he met him, how would you resolve the problems of this world? Uh, slash when would you even use the wishes? Uh, that one we can, touch, we can do next time once we actually finish the world. That works. Um, so... Yeah. So, Flutterdark, if you're listening, we'll we'll get to that question later on. Um, uh, his second question, though, how the F did Phil get the Heartless organized for the tournaments? And I love Casey's answer here. Yep. <laughs> because I the answer I was going to go with was just that he's Phil and just told them to. And <laughs> since Heartless don't really, like, do a lot of thinking on their own, just sort of went along with it. <laughs> but I like Casey's answer better. Yeah, no, Casey's answer here is perfect. She she responded in the chat, I imagine Hades just filled out a ton of registration forms for all the Heartless teams. And I just love the idea of him sitting there with, like, a mountain of paperwork just filling out forms for all of them. Right. <laughs> because he knew there was he knew there was going to be tournaments and that there was a possibility Hercules was by it. So he filled the tournaments with all of the Heartless that he could. <laughs> uh, I love it. I love that idea. Uh... That is officially canon. I will say it now. That is what happened. Right. Uh, let me see. Who who was next? I think Casey. Okay. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, it was Casey. Uh, she had, like, four questions? Yeah. What happens when people ring the bell in your town three times? And this was where... I'm going to stick with the answer that I did the first time, uh, which was that if you ring the bell in my town, that just means it's snack time, and we all get to stop what we're doing. And hang out and have snacks. I'm sticking with my answer, too, is if it rings, I appear. If there are snacks oh, to yeah. be had, I eat the snacks. If there are no snacks to be had, I start randomly hiding Tupperware containers. <laughs> that's right. This, and, no, yeah, that's right. Because I, I remember, um, I think last time I said that that sounds like 100 years ago, that would have been the basis for, like, a holiday. Right. We have to leave cat uh, leave snacks out for cat when she comes by at night. Otherwise, she'll hide all of our Tupperware lids. Right, I'll hide the lids, and I will remove one sock at random from each pair in your drawer. <laughs> there we go. I'm a, um, I'm a spiteful. I'm a spiteful house spirit. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Oh, 
Okay, okay. Uh, Casey's second question. At this point in the story, you should have all three uh, basic offensive magic types, which actually there's only one type of magic that we don't have yet, and that is stop, which does exactly what it says on the tin. You use it on a heartless and it just stops. Um, anyway, uh, which one is the best slash your favorite to use in in the first ma uh, first magic stage? Uh, this was where, um, and I'll go ahead and say it again, uh, the, the way that the naming works for each like level, so to speak, for each spell is, I'll still use fire as my example. Um, the basic first form of it is just fire. Then the second, like, the second form where it's a little bit stronger, that one becomes Fyra. And then the uh, last form becomes Fyraga, which is hilarious when you apply that to stop. <laughs> <laughs> because it's it's stop, stopra, and stopga. I don't like it. I know, it's silly. It, it works for, like, it works for things like fire and blizzard, because blizzard becomes blizzara and blizzaga. I... I feel like it works for everything except stop, basically. Gravity becomes gra Gravira and Graviga, which don't work quite as well, but still kind of work. Stop just didn't know what to do with itself. No. <laughs> and that will be the naming convention for spells, uh, for like your basic elements or your basic spells uh, throughout the series. So even in Kingdom Hearts 2 and 3, it's still Fire, 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 so on and so forth. Um... Which, that's... I haven't played a ton of uh, Final Fantasy, but if I remember right, I think that comes from... Uh, I think that's how this, the the power progression on spells is in the Final Fantasy games. Where is I going with this? Oh, right, which one's our favorite? Well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I was a kid, I pretty much only focused on the first three and Cure, obviously. Actually, I forgot about Cure, when I was answering last time, my favorite spell is Cure, or then Kiraga, because it keeps you from dying. <laughs> Which is always a good thing to have. Right? Uh, but of, of the three basic ones, um, I would say my two favorite are probably Tide at Blizzard and Thunder, because Blizzard does that like shotgun blast out in front of you, whereas Thunder does like a few in kind of a ring around you, so just sort of depending on how you're dealing with or how you're dealing with enemies, they're both pretty much equally useful. And then, uh, if I remember right, I think you, since you haven't been playing the games, uh, just went with what you think of the elements themselves. Right. Um. So again, you know, I haven't played the games, so I can't say for sure, but I do know that like going by games where you do get to use elemental attacks, I would probably do Blizzard, um, because like with a fire, it's for me, like, the way I see the elements is, like, lightning or thunder is, like, one... It's, like, a power blast, you know what I mean? Like, it's a burst, and there it is, that's it. With fire, of course, it's got lingering damage, because it spreads and burns. But with blizzard, I would still stick with blizzard, because not only is it usually an offensive attack, but also it has the... In some cases, some games, you know, it's the option to, or the opportunity to also freeze your opponent. Yeah. So it's, like... I'm going to beat the shit out of you, and I'm going to make sure you can't get away while I do it. Yeah, so which, I would have yeah, that was, which, yeah, that was where I mentioned uh, stop last time, because that's basically what stop does right. in these games, is you're, the heartless that you use it on just stops. Right. Which, now that I think about it, does not work on... Gravity and stop both don't work on bosses. 
So that, that makes sense. Sucks, I mean, that but, makes sense, though. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. It makes sense. Uh, what was Casey's third question? There it is. Did you figure out to cast Thunder on that switch to make the Gizmo Shop have power at the normal time? Or were you like me and did it near the end of the game? And this was where I had to, I still have to give a disappointing answer because I don't remember my first playthrough well enough to really say. I feel like I probably was in the middle of a fight and just coincidentally was close enough that when I cast Thunder, it ended up hitting the the wire also. Nice. But I it's hard for me to say because now since I know about it, I just go do the thing as soon as I have Thunder. So, yeah, sorry. Sorry on that one, Casey, but I can't, <laughs> I can't really, like, give you the the kind of answer you were probably looking for there. <laughs> um, she did have one last question that she put on a spoiler tag, uh, which... Uh, this one I decided was was fine. It's not too much of a spoiler. Uh, she says this may be sort of spoilers for Birth by Sleep, but why in the hell are the trophies from Kingdom Hearts One in the vestibule in Birth by Sleep? Did Phil leave them in storage until Sora reminded him he could get them out? And uh, basically, because I've I've said before that Birth by Sleep is a prequel, I don't remember if I've said how far in the past it is set. Uh... Do you remember if I've if I've said? I don't remember. Okay. Um, it's set 10 years before. Or it's set 10 years in the past, rather. And so, yeah. Um, you don't do any tournaments uh, in the uh, Hercules world. But when you do go there to do the world storyline, yeah, all of the trophies that you can get in this game <laughs> are just on display in, like, the trophy case there. Which, real talk, it probably just comes down to, like, the assets were left over and were like still able to be used since um since Birth by Sleep was on the PSP, they were probably able to just go ahead and move them over there without it being too much of a hassle. But I do really like the idea that Phil just has the one copy of each trophy and lets people like hold it and pose with it for a little bit after the tournament, but then just goes, and I'm going to take that back and put it up for the next That works. I know. I just I really like the idea of him being like, hey, yeah, cool, you won, I'll give it back. Uh, but yeah, so that takes care of questions um, for these and for our movie episodes. Uh, you can you, uh, you can always ask questions in the Discord on the Mickey's Mailbag channel. That you can do anytime. And then uh, for each episode, I'll also put a Twitter post out. So if you want to ask us questions on Twitter, definitely uh, feel free to do that as well. Real quick, uh, for plugs, just one second. There we go. Yeah, on Twitter, you can find us at Disney Minus Pod. Um, you can find me on my dad joke page at dad underscore tastic. I just post one dad joke every day. Uh, my main Twitter account is at Marshmallow, which is spelled like Marshmallow, except it's got my last name in it. And uh, since Nero is not on these episodes, I'll still go ahead and plug for them. Uh, Nero is at Dragonsmoocher uh, on Twitter, and they also have a Shira rewatch slash discussion podcast called The Podcast of Power uh, that you can find on Twitter just at Podcast of Power. Um, I'm not very far into it because I decided to rewatch Shira along with it, but so far they're good. <laughs> And you can find me floating around various 
usually Norse and Pagan uh, discords, and you can also catch me on our usual podcast, of course, Disney Minus. Yes, which, uh, let me see, once this goes up, we will have already recorded for it, but the next main episode that will be coming out is going to be Zootopia, so look forward to that, y'all. I watched that earlier today. There we go. I need to I, I need to watch it probably a couple more times uh, for the before the episode happens. But yeah, so so yeah, uh, you know, uh, keep keep looking forward to new episodes of this and to whatever uh, movie we talk about after Zootopia. By now, that will have, by the time this comes out, no, it will not have been announced. That's right, because we'll be recording the Zootopia episode. Right. Duh. So <laughs> by by the time the next episode of this comes out, it will be too late because <laughs> we'll be recording that one. You know what? Time is fake. Have fun. Be good. Try not to get turned into a heartless. All of that jazz. Or if you're not good, just don't get caught. Also that. <laughs>